News Radio 680 WPTF, you're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care, and you can find out all about them at transitionslifecare.com. I'm, excuse me, .org. I'm Jason Kong, and alongside me, the staff, as usual, to guide me and direct me, we've got Cooper Linton. Cooper, how are you? I'm doing great. It's a privilege to be here tonight. Good, good. And Nicole Bruno with Transitions Guiding Lights. I'm pretty good. I've got one in th- one out of three in school right now. So that's, oh, man. the pressure's starting to fade. Is uh, it, Now, is number two coming up soon, or do two number and three two go at the same Number two starts on the time? 14th. Oh, man. Yeah, Not yeah. that you're counting. No, maybe just a little bit. Just a little bit, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm glad you're a third more sane right now, I guess. In some ways, yes. <laughs> In some ways. Ask me in two weeks when I've got two kids going to schools in two different counties. Oh, boy. <laughs> well, uh, that's that's always fun with the way the uh, busing in the school system works. So sure is. I'm sure there's no, no nightmares and no stress on your end. Not at all. Well, uh, we're going to talk about uh, a subject that we, we tend to hit on frequently, and we've got a, a great guest lined up this evening. But uh, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, elder law and estate planning. and that Those are some important things that, uh, Cooper, I, I don't think we can talk about about enough. Well, one of the reasons this topic continues to come up is people are perpetually underprepared for these issues. Right. And the idea of doing legal preparing frightens folks. And in reality, it's the failure to do legal preparing and preparation that should frighten people. And so we continue to touch on this issue because we think it's critically important to caregiving. It's critically important to caring for caregivers and being prepared to take care of loved ones. And so we're Happy to have Jonathan Williams with us this evening. He's an attorney with Clarity Legal Group out of Chapel Hill. Now, they will still uh, do work for folks that are state fans. That's okay. Uh, you could actually be a Duke fan, I think, and still are, – are, do, do Duke fans actually have legal standing in North Carolina? They, they do. I'm just trying to be sure. I'm, they I'm sure not do. from and, this state originally. And, and my degrees are from Wake Forest. And uh, in this area, sometimes we feel like uh, a little overlooked. Uh, but but hopefully we're we have reason to uh, to change that in uh, the, the upcoming football and basketball seasons. So I suppose we'll see. You take pride in your deacons. Oh sure. All right, all right. Well, we'll we we understand that there's diversity in caregiving, and that includes all of the state schools. And and uh, so we're glad to have you on the on the show, Jonathan. And Thank we you. Look forward to delving into some issues. First off, how did you get into this to begin with? I mean, not everybody says I want to go into elder law, uh, and I do want to let the listeners know that he is uh, not wearing a seersucker suit. He's not dressed like Matlock. Uh, he's far more up to date. Um, well, I, I went to a law school at Wake Forest, uh, and Wake Forest has a really wonderful elder law clinic. Uh, they were one of the, uh, the elder law clinics are fairly common around the country at law schools these days because elder law is sort of a hot topic as the baby boomer gener- generation gets older. But Wake Forest clinic has been going over. Oh, more than 25 years now, uh, and and the woman who who runs it, her name is Kate McWinney, and, and she's been doing it the whole time, and she's a, a sort of national expert on these issues. Uh, when I was in law school, I, I wanted to work with families uh, and individuals. Uh, I knew I didn't really want to be a litigator, um, though, though I did at, at one point think about doing family law, which is uh, sort of divorce and, mm-hmm. and custody and adoptions and that sort of thing, thinking, uh, you know, I'm, I'm less motivated by, you know, which, which business owes which other business, how much <laughs> money, you know, that, that, um, 
but wanted to help people in uh, in difficult positions in their lives. And uh, I found family law to be a little more contentious. And, sure uh, is, yeah. um, Well, it's a difficult it's a difficult practice area. Uh, but but elder law was a natural fit. You're helping people in in a uniquely vulnerable and fragile place in their lives. You're helping families navigate difficult issues. Uh, it, it's a real privilege to be able to help people. Um, and, and you're helping plan to avoid problems as opposed to, uh, you know, slogging it out in, in a fight in a courtroom somewhere, which is was never my not, not your area of interest, for sure. Yeah. So, you know, in my work with caregivers, I find that a lot of these families that I'm talking to, just spoke to one last week, actually, they've never really ever had to experience working with an attorney. Um, and then they just associate attorneys as scary people that only sue you or if you're getting going through a rotten divorce or something like that. So when I even talk to families about, you know, before you start thinking about doing some of this planning or making some of these decisions that can impact the future of your loved one, you may want to consult with an elder care attorney. That just scares the bejesus out of them. Sure. Yeah. And, and another thing, of course, is the expense. Lawyer, right. Lawyers cost money. Right. Right. Um, and, and there are so many options these days to get, um, legal information at least um, from sources that that don't cost money or don't cost much money so you can get online and and buy a a form a power of attorney and put your name in it and put put people's names in it who you trust and uh, uh, the the danger of that of course is that you don't know what you don't know uh, and you don't know for sure if you're getting it right because you're not an expert in how these issues work. I've heard it said that expertise is very inexpensive compared to the price of ignorance. <laughs> yeah, and I and I, I find folks sometimes fear that it's a that they're going to spend money as compared to not spending anything. In reality, sometimes it's a choice between spending a little and spending a lot. Mm-hmm. Zero is not one of the options available. And yeah, the sooner you prepare, I'm assuming it's easier to do this up front and cheaper. Yes, uh, you know we we make more money. Um, helping folks clean up messes sure uh, do. Yeah. Than, than we do helping people avoid messes but, but we we would rather help people avoid them yeah i definitely agree with that and i think you know to your point you know elder law is starting to become a bigger and bigger area of attraction because obviously people are starting to see the writing on the wall that the population for the country is aging and so i think in that, while there's lots of reputable people and organizations out there trying to help, there's also a lot of people trying to make a quick dollar. And so one of the things that I often talk to families about, especially when you start hearing about things like the aid and attendance benefit, uh, other areas um, of finance that may impact a family's future, is that before you get involved, before you transfer all your money, before you do all these things, you really ought to look at the big picture with an estate attorney that's not financially vested in making some of these decisions mm-hmm. with you. So why don't we just start off with, you know, as a family member, a family caregiver, when should I think about using an estate planner? Is that appropriate for everyone? Sort of where, where does that all begin? It, it is appropriate for everyone. Uh, we like to tell people you ought to have your estate planning done before you die. You ought to have your estate planning. <laughs> that helps. Yeah. You let, ought me, to have, let me be sure I got that. Before I die, before I die. should have it done. That's right. I can't do it after. You can't do it after, right. and you can't do it after you've become incapacitated. So if, if you're unconscious or if you've got a dementia illness and you're not able to make legal decisions anymore, you've lost the opportunity to, to say what you want. And, 
And so we tell people, do it before you die. Do it before you become incapacitated. But and estate? What if I don't have money? Estate <laughs> sounds to me like I have to be a Rockefeller. Well, estate planning does two things. Uh, it plans for the possibility that one day you might become incapacitated. And it plans for the probability that you're going to die. Uh, and so uh, anyone who faces these issues um, needs to have a good estate plan. And even if you don't have a lot of money, you still have people that you trust and you have people that you don't trust. You have people who you would want to help you make decisions or would want to help manage your affairs and people that you wouldn't. Uh, and so having the opportunity and taking that opportunity to say what you want uh, is, is important. So what are the components of an estate plan? As we talk about this, dealing with the probability that I might die. Now, I've I'm not sure I'm going to because uh, uh, yep probability. I, mean, I, I plan to live forever. On it yet so far so good. Right. I'm doing all right. I've aged mm-hmm. a little, but I haven't died yet. And 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 medical science. Uh, oh, it's advancing all the time. Yep. But so, let's so assume that I'm going to have some of these needs, both from yep. my someone to help guide my care and somebody to handle my estate, whether it be large or whether it's small. There'll be something left. What do we do to get started? And, I, and I, I know we've got to take a break here in a moment, but I want to be sure that we kind of break out those pieces and delve into those in a little more depth. Sure. Um, so, uh, again, kind of dividing it into two um, buckets, one being planning for incapacity, one being planning for death. Uh, the incapacity documents are a financial power of attorney, a health care power of attorney, an advanced directive for natural death, sometimes called a living will, and then a HIPAA authorization or a medical privacy authorization. Uh, those are the basic components of planning for incapacity. Uh, and then when it comes to planning for death, we think about a will and uh, perhaps also a trust, a revocable trust or an irrevocable trust, depending on the circumstances, of course. Uh, but that's sort of the basics. Okay, and we'll dive into that a little bit more. Man, that was a great question by Cooper, so we're going to need some more time to follow up on that. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. News Radio 680 WPTF, you're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. You can find more about them at transitionslifecare.org. I am Jason Kong, Nicole Bruno, Cooper Linton alongside me. Our guest this evening is Jonathan Williams with Clarity Legal Group. And Nicole, right before the break, Cooper asked uh, a brilliant question, uh, a multifaceted question that we're going to have to take some time here to kind of break down a little bit. But this is probably a question that we're going to be answering for the rest of the show. You know, I think so. And, you know, I think we, we need to really talk about all the parts and pieces that are part of estate planning. So I guess picture a Mr. Potato Head, and we're starting with just a blank potato with no eyes, no ears, no mouth. And we're sort of all walking into an attorney like that, right? Saying, help, I don't know what I need. I, help put me together. There's a jumbled up mess in front of me. And let's start off with the parts and pieces that are associated with really the health care, the capacity side, the pieces that we need to put together while we're still able to make choices. And, you know, one of the things we talk about time and time again on this show is it's a wonderful gift to give a family member. All of the time at, at Transition Scouting Lights, we have families talking to us about loved ones who are in the very severe stages of Alzheimer's and dementia, and they don't know what to do. They've never had those conversations, and they have so much guilt around making these decisions for their family members, what to do with their money and what to do with their care. And we 
can really avert that crisis by talking to an estate attorney and having those conversations when loved ones are still capable. And I know, you know, here I, I know what to do and I have them all in place for myself, but my own parents won't listen to me. They often say, what are you trying to kill me? I'm not dead yet. And and I keep trying to explain to them, well, you're putting a huge burden onto me by help making me make these decisions when I don't know what you want. So let's talk a little bit about that, Jonathan. Sure. Uh, well, uh, I, I think I spoke a little earlier about um, the the different documents that we mm -hmm. put in place, legal documents. Uh, and, and of course, um, I think you're right that we're doing more than just putting legal documents in place. We're putting a framework together where a family can work through these issues and make sure they know who's responsible for what. Uh, and and we, st we try to stay focused as attorneys on our clients and what they want and what they need. Uh, we make it very clear when we work with families that uh, we have a client. Our client is uh, this person who is making these documents. Mm -hmm. And certainly we want other family members to be a part of the conversation. But we're focused on our clients and what they want. And as long as they're legally able to make their choices about what they want, we want to help those happen. Uh, and so we, we, we try to put these different estate planning documents together um, to help people express their wishes uh, in a legally binding way. Mm -hmm. um, but, but, but it's also more than that. It's having conversations about what if this happens? What if this happens? Mm -hmm. what, what, is my, what, what should my medical care look like or not look like? Um, what would I never want to have happen to me? What, what would I want to make sure happens to me? Uh, so um, the, let me sort of go through the documents. Yeah, I think that would be, I think that um, would make sense. A, a, a good basic uh, estate plan will have a medical privacy waiver called a HIPAA waiver. HIPAA is the federal law that includes a lot of things, but also includes medical privacy rules. And of course, medical providers are prohibited from releasing protected health information without your permission. And so you can do a document that gives permission to your medical providers to release information to the individuals that you want to have access to it. And so our clients will typically put spouses, children, close family friends, um, or, or extended family members, depending on the, the situation. And the people that are named on that document have access to information. They're not given decision-making authority. They're given access to information. So they can call their medical providers and get information. They can review medical records, things like that. Uh, so that's one piece. Uh, another piece is the healthcare power of attorney. Uh, healthcare power of, a, of attorney is your opportunity to name your healthcare agent. And your healthcare agent is the person who will make decisions <clears throat> on your behalf if you're unable to make and communicate those decisions yourself. Now, I think that's an area where there's some confusion because we hear healthcare power of attorney, we hear power of attorney, durable power of attorney. Mm -hmm. And I've heard folks say, look, I don't want a health care power of attorney because I don't need anybody selling my house and running off with the money. And I'm like, well, those really have nothing to do with each other. But can you That's can right. you speak to that a little bit? Because I think there's confusion in that. That's right. Yeah, there's sort of two species of, of powers of attorney. One is a financial power of attorney um, that is sometimes referred to as a durable power of attorney. It's also sometimes referred to as a general power of attorney. That, those are separate animals from the healthcare power of attorney. The healthcare power of attorney names your healthcare agent and covers medical decisions only. Doesn't cover other things. So it would cover things like mental health, physical health, uh, 
admission to facilities, mm -hmm. long-term care facilities or hospitals, um, courses of treatment, medications, diagnostic procedures, surgical procedures, that sort of thing. Uh, you can craft your agent's authority depending on your wishes. Uh, the example I commonly give is um, uh, folks who don't, who don't do certain medical procedures due to religious beliefs, mm -hmm. like uh, I believe it's the Jehovah's Witness that don't do blood transfusions. Mm -hmm. So they put in their healthcare power of attorney, my agent cannot consent to that, that procedure. Uh, or, or someone who's in their 80s and they've, uh, they've been through a couple of rounds of cancer treatment and they decide I'm not going to do that anymore mm -hmm. because it doesn't uh, because of how it impacts my quality of life. And so you can craft in that document what authority you want your agent to have and, and what authority you don't want them to have. And it also covers some limited uh, circumstances after death. So you can make instructions in your health care power of attorney about what happens to your body after your death, uh, whether you want your agent to uh, carry out an organ donation plan or an anatomical gift. That sort of thing. I think there's some confusion with the healthcare power of attorney as well, especially older adults. You know, as we get older, we feel like we're losing control. And that's a big thing. You know, you might stop driving, you might stop taking care of your bills, you might, you know, might need people to bring groceries to you. And now we're signing a document about healthcare decisions. And I think a lot of times people worry that just having this document alone takes away their rights to make their own decisions. Can you explain what it might mean for somebody to activate this document? Sure. Uh, so a healthcare power of attorney by law is not effective whatsoever until a physician determines that the person who made the document is unable to make and communicate their healthcare decisions. So what does that look like? I mean, that, that, that's legal language of when, when a doctor makes this determination. Mm -hmm. But in the real life world of how we live, what does that look like? What's that experience shaped up like? Well, what I tell clients is you are in charge of your health care as long as you're able to make your decisions about your health care. So you sign a health care power of attorney and you name your agent, but your agent's not going to be able to call up your doctor and say, well, we're going to change the treatment plan or we're going to change the medications. You're in charge of your health care for as long as you're able to be in charge of your health care. Uh, at a certain point, uh, you may be in a situation where you can't make decisions anymore. Uh, who, who decides whether you can make decisions anymore or not? It's a medical decision. And, and it looks different in, in different situations. Sometimes somebody has a stroke and it's very clear they're not able to make decisions anymore. Um, or or a, a car accident and they're unconscious. That's, that's obvious. And then other times it's not obvious. I think sometimes folks think there's going to be some meeting where we talk about is this person capable of, of making decisions. And in reality, it's often far more informal than that. It's when a doctor turns and says, who's making decisions there? Who's in charge? Because there's someone who's unconscious. Right. And it's not like there's this great point of question. They're not available. No Knights of the Round Table? Right. It's no, it's no Knights of the Round Table. It's not some formal discussion. It's not five people sitting in a meeting room having a dialogue. And, and more than often, more likely, it will happen in the hallway of a healthcare facility or at the bedside or, or pulled over in an alcove somewhere saying, look, we, we've got some things we need to talk about. Who's in charge of this? Right. And that question initiates that chain reaction of who's making decisions, can they prove that, and hopefully these documents are already on file with mm -hmm. your health care provider so that the doctor's not asking who's in charge. They already know. Right. Yeah, and we do advise, and, and, and medical providers are, are trained to ask, do you have a health care power of attorney? And, and so we tell folks, give them, give them to your primary physician, give them to your hospital, uh, 
get them put in your medical file well ahead of time so that it's clear. Well, there's a there's a soapbox for me, and that's that when you have when the answer to that question is no, I don't have a healthcare power of attorney. The follow up should be all right. Run out and get you one. I mean, there's a real need for that. There certainly is. And we're going to continue our conversation with Jonathan Williams of Clarity Legal Group. And we'll continue our conversation about elder law and legal documents and uh, some more vital information that you're going to want to hear. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care here on News Radio 680 WPTF. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you here on News Radio 680 WPTF. This program is made possible through the support of Transitions Life Care, and you can find more about them at transitionslifecare.org. I'm Jason Kong, Nicole Bruno over there, Cooper Linton over here, and our guest this evening is Jonathan Williams of Clarity Legal Group. And we've been talking about elder law and legal documents. Uh, we just talked about uh, health care power of attorney. And, uh, guys, we, I think we need to move on to the, the living will, right? This is another big piece of the legal documents. It's an incredibly big piece because I think there's two parts to it. One is there's the actual legal written document. But the other part of it is the philosophical guidance that people can get from this and the value of the very exercise of putting it together which means we stop and get out of the business of doing so quickly and start thinking about what may happen, what would I want, what would I not want, and what does that really mean when you start trying to craft it into a document? Now, that's just – nobody pays me to be an attorney, Jonathan, so correct me on that if that's – if No, you're great. Um, and And – in addition to doing the legal documents, we also have uh, a resource that we can hand to clients that says, you know, 20, 25 topics that you and your healthcare agent should discuss so that uh, it, it provides a framework to have that conversation. And I tell people that the conversation is every bit as important as the legal document. Um, and ideally, the healthcare agent is not doing what they think is best in the moment. They're doing what they know you think would be best in the moment and how do they know what you would think if you haven't had this conversation and the conversation can be really meaningful uh, between uh, between spouses or between a parent and a child talking about some very important and, and and intimate decisions that have to be made it can really bring bring you closer to your loved ones and so it it, it can be a really valuable experience in a lot of ways when we start talking about human mortality mm-hmm. there's no way we can contemplate someone else's death without at least theorizing about our own. Sure. And you use the word intimacy in it, and I think that's very accurate. I mean, mm-hmm. it's a um, it's a very private matter, but in the same way, it needs to be discussed with people that you hold in your private circle mm-hmm. and no longer be something that's just an individual thought but become shared, and then you have someone empowered to act on your behalf. Yeah, and, and you're building a support team. Because there's going to be a time when you can't act for yourself. So you're it's, one part law, you're one part counselor. Is that how this goes? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We say attorney and counselor at law. It makes it, total sense. There's a reason for it. Do, do I have to lay down on a couch if I come to your office? <laughs> I just, I'm just trying to get this in we, my head. We have couches. You can use them if you want to. Okay, sure. thanks, John. <laughs> um, so we should probably talk about some of these other documents and, and, and at least give uh, the listeners um, – a rudimentary understanding of what these other pieces are. So we talked about the HIPAA waiver. We talked about the healthcare power of attorney. Let's talk quickly about the living will. 
Uh, the Living Will deals with life support decisions. It's a very narrowly focused document. It was a response to some of those cases in the 80s and 90s of folks who were in a long-term unconscious state, and there was a fight about whether, whether to keep them on life support or not. And so it's really laser-focused on that decision. Do you want to be put on life support that is artificially kept alive on machines when you otherwise would not be alive? Uh, or do you want to decline that kind of care? And so when you do a living will, you have the opportunity to say, under what circumstances would I want to decline life support? Um, and you can also make a decision about how your health care agent's authority dovetails with your decision about this. Um, so the, the only real thing I want to hit about the living will is that um, you do have the opportunity to say, if my healthcare agent instructs you to put me on life support, even though I have this living will in place that says I don't want that, um, you can make a decision about whether you want the doctors to listen to your healthcare agent and do what they say, or whether you say, I'm sorry, it doesn't matter what my healthcare agent has to say about this particular question. My decision that I've made on my living will is going to be the overriding factor. I think that's a really critical question because I've heard people say to me, well, there's no way in the world I can think of every conceivable health care decision that might be made. So how am I supposed to write that down? I might as well not write anything down. And I go, well, wait a minute. Because we can't do everything doesn't mean we shouldn't do something. So do you have someone you trust because fundamentally, you're not just asking them to be the implementer of tasks. You're asking to borrow their judgment in the future. That's right. Uh, and if, if you don't trust their judgment, you may not have the right person as your health care power attorney. That's right. And, and when it comes to the decision about life support and whether you want your health care agent's authority to extend to that decision or whether you want it to not, um, th th that's a tough call. Uh, for my clients, it's probably a good 50-50 kind of split. There are folks that say, I don't want to put that burden on my health care agent. For that particular decision, I'm going to take responsibility for it, and I don't want there to be any wiggle room or any chance that my wishes won't be carried out. Or on the other hand, they might say, like you say, uh, I can't see the future. I know I don't, in the abstract, want life support, but I can't anticipate every circumstance that might arise. I want my health care agent's judgment to be a factor, and if they have some reason to keep me on life support, knowing me the way they do, knowing that in the abstract I don't really want to be kept alive, uh, but I, I, I trust my agent's judgment enough to want that authority to extend to that decision too. I think this brings up a really good point in that um, in choosing your healthcare agent. You know, a lot of people, and this is I've seen a lot as well, they feel like they have to choose a spouse or they have to choose a child where they may not be the person who is strong enough to carry out those decisions. So how do you help a person choose who's best for them? And, and how do you help that person, you know, basically come up with a sort of pros and cons for individuals knowing that it's probably going to cause some strife within the family unit? Well, you know, our, our North Star, our guiding principle when we work with clients is what, what do you want? and what's in your best interest. And, and you're right, people do think sometimes that, oh, well, I guess it needs to be my spouse. And, and we do try to make it very clear to them. It does not have to be anyone in your family. Uh, it doesn't have to be the oldest child. It can be the youngest child. Um, 
judgment matters, how people act in a, in, in a crisis, in a crisis <laughs> yeah. situation or under pressure matters. Uh, physical proximity can matter. Uh, it's not the deciding factor, but it, it, it is a factor. Uh, so there are a lot of factors that need to be weighed, but, but we, we try very hard to make our clients understand this is your document and, and we want to know what's in your best interest. Who is going to make sure your wishes are carried out in, in a competent way uh, and in an uh, in, in a, in a expedient or efficient way with, with no drama or minimized drama? Sure, definitely. So let's talk just for a quick minute about you know, listening to the show. I might say, well, you know, I'm still not going to do any of this. What happens if I don't? If you don't do, uh, and there's a crisis. Sure, sure. <laughs> if you don't do it uh, in the in the healthcare arena, there's a statute that says these are the these are the people that have the authority to make decisions for a person if they're not able to decide for themselves. Uh, and so it's it, it's a list like you might expect. It's spouse, it's children, it's parents, and and there's an order. Um, but you don't have any say in it if you don't make a decision. Uh, it's just going to be whatever's in the statute book at the time that you become incapacitated. So if you're estranged from that person, if they're going to get a call and they could potentially make a life-altering decision for you. That's right. That's right. And and sometimes uh, it, it sort of is an ad hoc process mm -hmm. in a crisis situation. Right. Who's standing uh, in the room? <laughs> like Cooper said, you know, you pull somebody out in the hallway and uh, who's there? Who's here to make a decision? Uh, and so that that sometimes uh, can 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 wind up in a process that you didn't anticipate and didn't necessarily want. Well, our time with you is quickly coming to a close, Jonathan. I think we could make five shows out of this, but I want you to have an opportunity real quick to talk a little bit about the company you work for and how folks can get a hold of you. Sure. Um, our, our law firm is called the Clarity Legal Group, and we're in Chapel Hill, uh, very close to the Metamont development. Uh, you can reach us at uh, claritylegalgroup.com, and our telephone number is 919-484-0012. Jonathan Williams, thank you so much for joining us this evening. We thank really appreciate you having you on the show. You're welcome. Again, he's with Clarity Legal Group. Find more information about them at claritylegalgroup.com, or you can give the office uh, a call at 919-484-0012. A quick break and back. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care here on News Radio 680 WPTF. News Radio 680 WPTF, you're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. I am Jason Kong, Nicole Bruno, Cooper Linton here, and uh, man, we've had a, a great show so far, Cooper, but you know, we need to keep people updated on uh, not one, you know, what Transitions Life Care is and what's going on because, you know, we, we jump into these fascinating topics and people hearing us for the first time may not know exactly what Transitions Life Care is. Well, thank you for giving us that chance because uh, Transitions Life Care does a whole lot more than just hospice. We do a lot of palliative care and we do a lot of home health. Uh, and sometimes people have the idea that all hospice care is delivered in a facility. And in reality, 95% of what we do is out in our community. People say they want to be at home. That's where we go to meet them. But we are actually in the process of expanding the hospice home or the hospice inpatient facility located on Trinity Road. You know, we opened it about eight years ago. It had Not 20 – it's eight years. Wow, that's it's where the great well. came from. 
(laughs) (laughs) So eight years ago, we launched Wake County's first inpatient hospice facility with 14 inpatient hospice rooms and six residential rooms. And what we're doing now is expanding uh, to add an additional eight inpatient level rooms. And those are for the patients that are just so sick they can't really be anywhere else but in that facility or in a hospital. And most folks don't want to be in the hospital. They'd rather be in the home-like environment of our hospice home that's located on Trinity Road. So we're just weeks away from getting that one, uh, getting that expansion uh, completed and getting it opened and getting it put to use for our community. Because our community, it was philanthropic support that actually paid for every bit of this facility i'm going to toot his horn for him he's been the project manager of that whole project from the beginning eight years ago through now so that's a pretty phenomenal job and thank you he's a a man of many talents he just doesn't have a radio voice from what i've heard it's just been like smooth sailing and easy like (laughs) anyone could have directed it's been remarkably smooth if it had been really challenging there's no way i could have pulled it off (laughs) that's the reality of it Um, yeah, he lays on my couch regularly for counseling. Lays, just lay there and let me tell you about my mother and the construction troubles. Yeah, it's, it's all. No, we're actually wrapping uh, up the construction, and we've been able to partner with some really great folks uh, to get this done. John Ramsey was our architect again on this. Uh, he's incredible at it. Clancy and Thay is with the construction company. Priest Craven and Associates did the uh, civil engineering, and, and those are folks that all have deep roots in this community and said, we want to be part of adding this care. And they helped us do it. I mean, they really came alongside us and guided us. We're a healthcare company. We're not a construction company. And they walked us through this project. Well, and I think one of the biggest things that I've heard a lot about is how quiet they've been because obviously the inpatient unit's still open. Of course. And people are obviously in very precarious situations with their health and they have been so respectful they have been incredible i mean, I mean to imagine building like a building while people are in the room next door and people can't hear it i mean what in the world well the staff on our side has been very accommodating families have been understanding and we've actually had an incredible number of contractors and subcontractors who once they understood what we were trying to do worked magic to make things quieter Mm -hmm. Uh, we actually had a group come in at about four in the morning one time to do some changes so that the patients would not have any negative experience they actually did something very quietly in the middle of the night (laughs) so that families and patients wouldn't experience any interruptions it's like that's a part where people put their heart in the work they're not just they're not just getting paid to build something they're deeply committed yeah and this this kind of pains me, Nicole, but uh, <laughs> I'm going to have to pay Cooper a compliment. I know we like oh, to give him a hard time. So hard. Whoa, is everything okay, That's Jason? two in a row now. He's, gonna, he's not going to be able to walk out of this room. His head's going to be so big. Yeah, I know. <laughs> We're going to have to hire some of those contractors to widen the door here in the studio. But no, you've, you've done a great job with this, Cooper. And uh, I know I've, I've heard of some of the challenges, but it, it's it's been really great that Transitions Like Care has someone like you sort of directing this. And, We've had a lot of people on this team yeah. helping direct it, really. It's not just a one-man show by any stretch. There's been a lot of people people in transitions that have been involved in this that have guided it um and often it's what people don't see that keeps it from running off the rails so thank you but i'll share that with an awful lot of folks at transitions who've worked hard 
Well, uh, it, I think you're right. A lot of people do work hard, and uh, and even on in the transitions guiding lights, Nicole, you're you're working very hard right now with uh, a caregiver summit coming up pretty yes, soon. So we're about to birth another baby. That's pretty right. Soon here in a couple more weeks, uh, we have the caregiver summit coming up on August 22nd in Chapel Hill. So that is the third of our four summit series. Um, it's going to be at the Friday Center, a full day event again, providing respite, resolution, and resources to those family caregivers. And I know, Jason, you had an opportunity to talk to a bunch of them when you went to the one in Raleigh. Yeah, it was it was really neat. It was such a great experience. And I, I can't encourage people to uh, register and sign up if you think you may have any sort of need, even if you don't. I think it's it's just a cool experience. But yeah, it was it was really neat talking to people. And if you missed any part of that show last week, it's up on the website at WPTF.com right now. And you can hear uh, just firsthand experiences of people who, who showed up and what they saw and getting the, the health screenings. Mm-hmm. It was it was just really cool to hear. We heard from or heard from vendors as well well and how great it was for them. Uh, I'm really excited to, to see what's going to happen in Chapel Hill. Yeah. Nicole, you've worked to expand capacity because I remember yeah. last year we sold out. We did. Which is a good thing. For and first a, year summit. It's that's incredible amazing. that it happened in the first yeah. year. But So that's a good thing and a bad thing. When mm-hmm. it sells out, that means we ran out of space. Right. And so you've made some changes this year. We have. We have increased our capacity of this actual summit. So um, you know, we still encourage everyone to pre-register because we have to order lunches and that sort of thing. There will come a point where we have to close registration, but we are at double where we were at this time last year with our registration. So word yeah. is spreading like fire up there in Chapel Hill and folks, you know, they, they, this is something that they've never been able to experience before. And they are so eager and so hungry for the information, for the workshops, for connecting to the vendors, for just getting a break and meeting other people that are going through what they're going through. And, you know, we don't mention often enough, I don't think, that we do provide um, – at a first come first serve basis, pre-registration only adult daycare services that day at no charge. So if folks are interested, they can either contact Charles House Association up there in Chapel Hill or the Florence Grace Solstice Adult Daycare Center. And if it's a hardship for you to come out to the summit, you can actually contact them in advance and make arrangements to have your loved one dropped off there for the day so that you can partake in these amazing um experiences that the caregivers have and I know it takes a lot to coordinate to be there for a day but I can tell you hands down almost I would say a hundred percent of people who attend these are glad that they made the effort to be there if nothing else just to realize that they're not alone if we can do a shout out to the folks in Chatham County and Durham County the reality is while this is in Orange County it's at the Friday Center which is right there on the edge of Durham County Mm-hmm. Easy access to Chatham, easy access to mm-hmm. Durham. And for folks that could not make it to the Durham Caregivers Conference, this is an easy scoot down 54 or 40, and you're right there at the Friday Center. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's an, uh, Parking is, uh, frankly, the easiest of, almost the easiest of any of the facilities we have. It's a easy to get into and out of facility. So if you have ambulatory issues, come on down. We can make it easy. Well, and on top of that, you know, for folks who did come out to the first two summits, this actually is a completely different agenda. So what we'd like to do um, is go into the community where we're holding these summits and really pull from the expertise in that area. So a lot of the presenters and exhibitors are, are very different than they are in Raleigh and Durham, but the content is extremely pertinent for what you're going through as a caregiver. We really try to wrap it up with, you know, the business of caregiving, you know, speak to attorneys, have people have an opportunity to 
talk about some of the things we talked about earlier in the show, understand, you know, what the continuum of care is like is, is basically one of this one of the topics. Take care of yourself, you know, how to be a mindful caregiver, how to uh, really um, just take a moment in the day if you possibly can to take care of yourself so that you have the fuel to continue to care for your loved one. Get a free massage and even we have a health clinic that's new this year, which we've talked about on previous shows, where caregivers who often are so busy caring for their loved one, they don't take care of themselves at all physically. So we actually have a number of health screenings that they can go through and get the results that day and actually talk to a provider for suggestions. So that's a pretty awesome opportunity that we've had with Baptist on Mission. That's a great partnership. And we have Transitions Life Care's very own Rich Gwaltney is mm-hmm. one of the... He's our the, keynote. He, he's our keynote speaker. Uh, and folks... Love hearing him. He always approaches the issues of of life and caregiving with a very different approach, mm-hmm. and it's often very creative and entertaining, mm-hmm. so I encourage folks to come here, Rich. Caregiversummit.org. If you're looking for more information or if you'd like to register, that's the place to go, caregiversummit.org. A special thanks to Jonathan Williams of Clarity Legal Group, our guest this evening. We really appreciate his, uh, his insight and expertise on all things elder law and estate planning. Uh, we hope to have him again uh, in soon because uh, we, we probably could have talked to him for uh, another three hours or so because uh, he he was so informative. Well, we are out of time here. We hope you'll join us again next week. Thank you so much for listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF.